This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 79, Karen Hand on Hypnotic Secret Sauce. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Welcome back once again. It's Jason Lynette here with a great session with one of the many people out there that for a couple of years I've been saying we need to record, we need to record, and finally we got a chance to record. Karen Hand is out of the Chicago area and I've known her through various conventions, various interactions online, as I like to say, we're all best friends on Facebook, and someone who is really out there doing a lot of great work and has some really great thinking, really great opinions inside of this. So it's as part of this Work Smart Hypnosis program, if you're just joining us here for the first time. It's this experience of reaching out to people that, again, are in that category of really being hypnotic workers, people who are really working and really seeing clients and really getting great results and then translating that over to the training atmosphere as well. So we're going to jump right in. This is a great session with some really great strategies and fabulous metaphors that I know you're going to begin to model out of the work as well. So here we go. This is session number 79. Get ready for the explanation of the title of this one inside of the program as well. Karen Hand on Hypnotic Secret Sauce. Here we go. So the interesting thing is that usually this always begins with some sort of origin story and backstory and the whole question of what it was that got you into hypnosis. And I definitely want to get to that, but I want to switch it around this time. A couple of things. What are you excited about? In hypnosis these days what is it that's really got you revved up and and moving forward would you say okay i would say i'm really revved up about difference yeah change, listening to people how so so let I'm me gonna... rephrase that what the hell does that mean <laughs> <laughs> okay so that means i it, it's so much fun to me to work with a client and discover how that client thinks. Everybody's different like fingerprints. Mm -hmm. And so the fun part of doing hypnosis for me is to discover how they're thinking about something and for me to dip into my toolbox and pull out the right thing to help them get to where they want to be. I learned two things recently at, well I've learned many things recently at the HypnoThoughts conference in Vegas and two that I love very much one from Michael Watson is a process with magic hands. It's a regression process, and I do a lot of regression work, but I love this one without an induction or anything, hmm. where you have hands suspended in the air, and as, as one does a review of your life, it lowers. as it, it reviews whatever issue you're working on, and the other stays suspended, and suspense does a lot, doesn't it? After that hand, the first hand rests, the second hand begins to lower as you take all the learnings from those experiences and all the changes that you can make with what you know now. A very elegant way of doing some easy regression, even regression to cause work. I don't always use regression, by the way, for checking for the ISE. Right. I use to look for resources just as often, if not more often even. So that's one. I learned another from Melissa Tears that is new to me that... I think is just a phenomenal process, and it is talking to the client about what they want, get their goal, drill down 
to what that goal is going to do for them, what they really actually get out of it. And when we get down to that really core value or belief, we get some resonance, some actual physical response, and then turning all of those things that it will do to them, their benefit statement, basically, into a sentence, making that a sentence for them. Then using that sentence as a dual induction. So they will say their sentence with a breath between every word. Hmm. Let's say, I am strong and healthy. Wouldn't be a good sentence necessarily, but let's just use that one. I am with the breath between each word, I say that along with them for a period of two or three sentences. They continue to say their sentence, and I start dropping in all of their benefits as they're repeating their core belief, their core value of why they want to make the change. And it just becomes a very elegant, beautiful process. And Jason, as you know, I did, uh, I, I learned the virtual gastric band process with you. I have now folded that process in to several of my private virtual gastric band clients, and it's just the icing on the cake. It really adds a lot to it. So I guess when I said difference, what I like is learning new things, adding tools to the toolbox, and figuring out great ways to use those tools to enhance the client experience. Did that clear it up for you? That does. That does. And I love that as a perspective, because again, we we fall prey, and especially I mean referencing anything that's out there that's in the theme of a protocol or a series of appointments that we fall prey to the idea that this is the one representation, this is the one way to do. And yet it's how the, the, the instructor, the trainer, my phrasing is, it's our responsibility as a trainer to share the insane level of thinking that goes into what we do and why. <laughs> yes. Not not to turn everybody into a bunch of clones, but instead to at least give the logic, the reason why. But at the same time, it's a constant theme on this program about learning a structure in order to break the structure, learning a system in order to break the system, yes. and how to put it all together in a way that is that client-centered approach. That's right. That's right. I, You know, I've never been a very good rule follower. <laughs> I, I think rules are important. I understand rules. I The first time I played Monopoly as a kid, I played exactly by the rules in the Parker Brothers game. Yeah. It went on and on and on and on and on forever. Then I played with some other people and we learned that we could put money in the center and get extra money, keep people going. Or we, we, we modified the rules, house rules, right? They're called. Yeah. And the game became more fun and it didn't take quite as long to finish it out. We didn't have to play for days and days and days. I, I think I think stoplights are great rules. Go on green, stop on red. I think it's a great rule generally. But there was a time, I I used to be a a radio personality, and I would go to work at 3.30 in the morning. And the the stoplights work exactly the same at 3.30 in the morning as they do during rush hour. And it was very annoying to me to sit at a red light when there was absolutely no one else on the road and wait for a full cycle of lights. So I kind of modified the rule. At 3.30 in the morning, when I looked both ways and in front of me and behind me, and there was no one else on the road, I took my chances that if there was a cop hiding someplace and he gave me a ticket, I could either discuss common sense with him or with the judge. Yeah. So modifying that rule to see what is right right now. Which I just have to share the anecdote of being in that exact scenario a couple of months back doing these overnight uh, high school events. And I'm just thinking... 
there's got to be an officer just sitting nearby. There's got to be an officer sitting nearby. I'm not going to go through this light. And then all of their cars have this intercom system that they can broadcast their voice. And right. suddenly, I don't even see the car, but I just hear the officer. The light's going to take another three minutes. You can go. Oh. God? <laughs> or brilliant self-hypnosis. Yes, exactly, exactly. Or that's complete insanity, at least with that one, if I get caught. <laughs> no, but it's that place where, again, where we find these systems and the mechanisms of when to f let it become more flexible, that a little bit of this, a little bit of that, the way that as we cook something, we suddenly discover new flavors and new accents to it, or or the beautiful moment of we've added way too much of this thing, and how do we now pull it back to make it at least palatable? Or... Even as if, if we go along with that analogy, if you have a client who's allergic to one of the ingredients or, or you've got a, a dinner guest who's allergic to one of the ingredients in your recipe, you don't feed it to them anyway. Mm. Right. You modify your recipe or you change your dinner menu entirely. So that's what we have to do with each client that comes to us is. So let me let me take a step back, if you don't mind. When I first came into hypnosis, I came in a kind of a. Um, a, a roundabout way. I was a radio personality. I had a couple of hypnotists on my show one day just to make fun of people because that's all I knew about hypnosis. <laughs> Get them to bark like dogs. And instead, we had a very intelligent, beautiful conversation about hypnosis and what it really is. I became fascinated. So I went out to their center. I was hypnotized. I actually did their system and lost weight during their, doing their system, and it was definitely a system, and it was the third passion of my life. I instantly knew that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. So I studied. I became a certified hypnotist. I took the courses. The, the man I learned from was really an NLP expert doing hypnosis, and so I got the NLP background and, as Melissa Tears would call it, integrative hypnosis, mm -hmm. as my introduction to uh, hypnosis, and I bought into a franchise system Yeah, because I didn't know anything about business. I wanted business in a box, and I did that for a while, and we had 80% of our clients doing beautifully, perfect, just reading scripts to them and following somebody else's script. But I needed to know what was going on with the other 20%. Why did 20% of the clients have less than stellar success if this worked? Well, it does work, but it doesn't work on everybody. So I had to go back and get some more schooling. I studied with Roy Hunter and I studied with Cal Bain and I studied with a number of people to find out other things that can be done other than just reading a script. I did get a whole bunch more set of rules that I learned, I incorporated, I used, I tested, I worked with. And as soon as I needed something else, as soon as I found some resistance or some place where the system didn't work, I wanted more tools. I wanted to stay alert. And that's what excites me now is staying alert with my clients and discovering what will work best for them. If direct suggestion will work best for them, I no longer use scripts, but I can do a fine direct suggestion to them. If metaphor is going to work best with them, and I, I think metaphor works best with everybody, so I'm always going to throw in a story or some kind of metaphor to cut right into what, what they will take in as a belief, but that's the fun. The fun is finding out what's going to help this client the most, the most efficiently.
So I share, it's a common theme to talk about why scripts are not as good and working customized is so much better. And we'd all agree with each other on that. But I'd love to get your take on this. You mentioned that in that franchise model, here was the magic binder of scripts that there was some, I, I know the specific one you're referring to, right. that right. there is a customized nature to it of a deal with what emerges, kind of like a choose your own adventure style approach to it of if these things were presenting, you would make use of that. If these things were presenting, you would make use of this. Though you mentioned that 80% number and inside of even the manuals for the NGH, which I believe this is a direct quote because so much of the NGH course goes back to the Harry Aaron's master course, correspondence right. course. But the phrase about even the beginner can expect a high level of success. So what would be your perspective? What would be your description as to why that 80% number would be there even just with the written word and just simply reciting them? Assuming the person is actually going into hypnosis, assuming that the script is actually something congruent with the individual, why is it that number is still so high in your opinion? Well, I think I think that there's there is research that shows whether it's a hypnotist, a psychologist, or a medical doctor, that people calling the doctor and making the appointment can improve their health. Yes. Uh, Lisa Rankin, MD, has done a lot of research on spontaneous remission, and she recognizes in her own mother that her mother will complain about an illness of some sort. And she can complain for two or three or four days and then finally will call her doctor to make an appointment and suddenly she feels great. Sometimes she even cancels the appointment the next day or two days later because she feels so great. With psychologists, with almost everything, they've discovered that just admitting that one needs help and asking for help and then accepting help is probably 90% of the equation. And making the decision to make a change may actually be even higher percentage than that. Making the decision, the client making the decision to make a change. So when they call us to make the appointment, something magical has already happened. That's why I think 80% of the people do well with even just a regular script. Mm -hmm. The Heartland Ego Strengthening Script, as it's written originally, not even the way that you've modified it, which, by the way, is beautiful. Thank you. So I think 80% of the people, when they decide they're going to do something and actually make a decision, will do it. it it's Research shows that at least 70% of the people who want to quit smoking do it on their own without any intervention. Yeah. But if someone believes that they can't do it on their own and they ask for help and they get the help, they then reframe their belief to now I can do it. That's self-hypnosis. Which I'd share. There's an insight that you're, you're inside of Business Bootcamp, which is re-releasing as Hypnotic Business Systems. And there's a mm -hmm. whole aspect of doing that intake, doing that consult by phone that I, I, the phrase around the statement I'm about to make may sound negative, may sound a little snarky in terms of a sales strategy, yet it's something that it's just, just fact. So let's just lay it out there as it is that if, when that client calls you and on the phone, you can get them to think about their issue in such a way they've never thought about it before. It's kind of the side effect. Many would people would say that with the NLP, strategy of going with the meta model of just chunking down to the specifics of, well, when specifically do you feel that craving? How do you feel that in your body? 
right. the, the common phrase is the side effect is that people begin to think you're brilliant. Uh, yep. <laughs> because suddenly you're getting them to drive inside and find, well, when is it? When is that actually happening? Rather than distorting, rather than generalizing the information. So the example of someone calls in for fear of public speaking and to chunk it down to ask, well, is it the anticipation and then you're fine once you start speaking? Is it you feel fine and then once you begin speaking, then you feel nervous? Or, and oddly enough, this last one is a very small group, but it's a favorite one of mine because it used to be me before I got over it myself, that I could be fine leading up to the presentation. I'd be fantastic during the presentation, but just after it was finished, just whoosh, this massive adrenaline, there was the anxiety after the fact. And what you right. hit on for the smoker is that statement that suddenly it's like I'm the biggest mind reader in the world where I ask you on the phone, what's the longest you've been without a cigarette? And based on the number of weeks or months, I tell them right away, this is how you did it. That if I hear that eight, nine month upwards of a year range, that's the cold turkey person. If I hear a couple of days, that's going to be the patch, the gum. If I hear about a month, that's going to be the chantix. Now, of course, there's exceptions, but it's that statement of as we make the, well, let's bring it back to hypnosis straight out of the book, Roy Hunter's uh, Art of Hypnosis, the formula of belief, imagination, credibility, expectation. He puts it at B-I-C-E, former podcast guest Greg Poljasic refers to it instead as ICE, B, because it just sounds more fun that way. But that they have the belief they can create the change. They imagine they can do it. The process that they're looking at has credibility. Yet the strongest component is that expectation. Right. Yeah. Yes, the expectation of change. You know, Cal Banyan says, and this is one thing I completely agree with him on, beliefs, there's, there's a two-part process to belief. A belief is something we don't know. If we knew it, we would say, I know, instead of I believe. Mm -hmm. But a belief is something we don't know. We believe it to be true, and since we do, we act and behave as if it's fact whether it is or not. So as an example, before, go with me on this, whether the analogy is 100% accurate or not. Yeah. Before Columbus discovered America, right, everybody, the whole world thought the earth was flat. And so they didn't take cruises. They didn't travel very far from home because they were afraid they would fall off the edge. As soon as that, the day, the instant, the moment that was proven to be untrue, the whole world said, oh, Okay, the earth is round, I'm not going to fall off, and Apple Cruise Lines was born. And people started taking cruises and going on vacation. Their belief changed just like that. So I think that's what you were talking about with changing beliefs. As soon as we can get them to change from I can't to I can, we've done our job. Absolutely. I was and it's not our job to make them do it. I don't believe that we're wizards. I don't believe that we're magicians. I even use that sometimes with my clients. You'll have to Google a little further if you want a magician, because that's not what I do. I'm not a mind reader, <laughs> hypnotist. So we don't make them do anything. And as I teach new baby hypnotists, that's the message I want to drill into them. We don't make them change. We help them find how they can change. Sometimes that's going back into their life and looking for uh, resources where they have done other things that are really great and how that made them feel and how they did that. And they borrow those resources and put it to this particular goal because then they start 
changing that I can't or I'm not able to I can and I had before. And they can start proving to themselves. You also were talking about somebody who, as you're delving into their beliefs, I love that about the Chantix is the four is the four week person, the mm-hmm. action, the gum. There's another thing with some like public speaking. Oh, I haven't been able to speak in public since my teacher made fun of me in second grade. Well, maybe we want to go back and do some informed child technique on that and change that belief right there. Sometimes there are reasons to go back to the initial sensitizing event. Absolutely. Now, I was, I was cracking up there for a moment, the uh, the political program with Bill Maher, real time. He has a sequence now that he does, and he hits it on both sides of the aisle, but the line, it's all about the premise of, I don't know if this is true, but it sure sounds like it is. Yes, I yeah. love that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Which in many ways, I mean, that's, I, I was just having this conversation with a student of mine the other day that to look at the situation, I'll give you the basic overview and, of course, won't reveal the name, but the situation was she got a call that it was a client that it was admittedly a scenario that she had not been in before, but in many ways one she had been in before many times, working with a client coming in for hypnosis specifically for weight loss. Yet I think she might have been a little overwhelmed given the size of the individual coming in. They were much larger than what she normally would have seen. And this was a scenario specific to this client, yet it's something that still was a through line despite years of interacting together. And it's it's this concept of belief. It's this concept of going from I believe I can to I know I can that is the core reason why I believe it is the ethical responsibility of hypnotists to do a multiple session program with their clients, because it's about transitioning them out of that format of how things were before and getting them stepping into the better outcome. So it's not so much, let's use the smoker, it's not so much about vilifying the cigarettes and making the cigarettes so horrible. It's about making that old behavior so completely incongruent with who they've now become that it just doesn't fit anymore. Right. So, yeah, so it's that it's that scenario that when we're booking a single session with a client and to use the quote to see if it's a match and see how it goes, we're we're sorting that client back into that digital response. It either worked or it didn't work. It's either on or it's not on. When meanwhile, I mean, here's a client that I saw this week that he's down a couple of pounds. His nighttime snacking is completely gone and his choices are much better. The emotional reaction to food isn't quite there. And this is in the scope of just session one to session two. You know, and he folds in, you know, it's been a busy week as a landscaper and it rained a lot this week. So he's been a little bit more busy. He goes, well, I've been more active, but I have an exercise, but everything else is going fantastic. You know, to book a single session with a client and that be the result, he'd be likely the guy going, yeah, but it didn't help me with the exercise. So it didn't work. Right. But the whole <laughs> concept of getting the foot in the door with belief, as I like to quote the uh, the infomercial oh, there's got to be a better way. There are other options, other strategies out there. I will, I will, take, I will quibble with one minor point on that. Bring it. And that, it, and that, <laughs> is, that is, I don't ever like to use absolutes. Yes. No, the absolute, I don't ever like to use them. Yeah. Well, every time you use an absolute, you're completely wrong. 
That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> never, ever, ever use absolutes. That's 100% correct. I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I wouldn't say that there are no one-offs. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, no, let me, let me edit that. In the, in the situation of a specifically a medical issue, okay. that's definitely a place right. where let's do one and see where it goes and you can get well, an experience for what it is. I don't typically say to a client, let's see where it goes mm -hmm. either. I, 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 I tell them up front, this scenario, if it's smoking, I say, I, 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 and with a smoker, I do want two sessions. Yes. If they go cold turkey and quit after the first one, great. The second one, I'm going to teach them some strategies to use when they have the fight with their wife and they're tempted to go back to old programs. So, yes, there are certain scenarios I'll agree with you. But I had a guy who called me one day and said, can you – first he told me that he saw a stage show the night before and the um, – stage hypnotist changed people's taste buds and he wanted to know if I could do that and I said well what is it you're wanting and he said well this stage hypnotist gave the people on stage lollipops they were loving them and he told them that they tasted like poo and they all spit it out <laughs> so he changed their taste buds can you do that and I said tell me what you want and he said that he wanted to like fish that he hated fish and it, Lent was coming up in Chicago. That's a big deal. Yes. And he wanted to be able to eat fish on Wednesdays and Fridays all through Lent. And his his wife loves fish. So he wanted to be able to take her to a fish restaurant and enjoy it once in a while. And I said, absolutely, I can do that. Come on in. Well, just in talking to him over the phone, the first thing I recognized was that he believed in the magic. Yes. He saw the stage hypnotist. He believed in the magic. I didn't have to convince him of any of that stuff. He already knew that it worked. He witnessed it. He saw it happen. The only question he had was whether or not it would work for him. And so I just took a couple of minutes to convince him that he could be hypnotized and that it could work, put some magnets in his fingertips, and he was all about it. And, and we did a session where we changed his taste buds. I actually, in that particular case, used regression because he hadn't liked fish since his mom made him eat fish sticks when he was a kid. So we went right back to him sitting at the table in the kitchen eating his fish sticks. And what he recognized was mom really didn't make him eat them. She gave him ketchup or whatever he wanted. And if he didn't want to finish them, she didn't make him do it. That was a misperception. We cleared up that misperception. And he talked himself into giving fish a good try. And he could put anything on it to make it taste, taste the way he wanted it to taste. So he came out saying, oh, my God. I don't think fish is terrible anymore. And he texted me that night from a fish restaurant in Chicago saying that he took his wife, he ordered tilapia, and he actually enjoyed it. At the end of Lent, now keep in mind, all the client asked for was to be able to eat fish and enjoy it during Lent. Mm -hmm. He didn't want me to change his whole life. He wanted me to change it for a month. So he texted me again at the end of Lent beautiful testimonials, by the way, saying, I had fish every Wednesday and every Friday through Lent, and it was great. I now have a favorite fish dish. Nice. Okay? That was a one-off. Yeah. I, there was no good reason for me to bring him back two or three more times to give him that. So that's where I say the caveat is, that sometimes there are one-offs that work beautifully. And I'm not of the school that says they have to come back two or three times to learn things they don't need. Right. For what they're asking for. I do have to credit the beautiful line from Richard Nongard, which I love, which is, 
if the session number two satisfies hypnotically the goal of a high five of how well they've done and locks it in, then it's a value. Well, and yes, I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. I'm oh, just yeah. saying, yeah, with me, that's there are some people that I just don't think they need to come back. There was a, I had an opera singer who was terrified that he wouldn't be able to memorize an entire score that he had been given. He came in, we changed his beliefs about his abilities right in that first session. We ended that session with me saying to him, if you continue to have problems, call me back. Otherwise, this this is behind you. Yeah. And he did, he invited, he sent me tickets to his opera so I could come see him, and he did a beautiful job. I love it. So again, you know, it's again, we're, we're going right back to what we talked about in the beginning, Jason. Discover the client. Do what's best for what presents in front of you. That's a beautiful Roy Hunter line. Work with what presents and then do your best. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then let me ask you this. How are you spending most of your time these days? Where is it you're putting most of your focus in terms of hypnosis? Because I know you do training, you do clients, you do a little bit of everything inside of it. And I'm always interested in looking at that balance of how we how we spread that all out. Well, what I'm spending most of my time on right now is writing a book. I am deep in the throes of writing. I have actually three books in the works mm -hmm. at the moment. One I am writing with uh, Sal Campania, who is a hypnotist. He's 95 years old. we got to get his book done and out there very quickly. It's using pictures and drawing. I, I use it as a workshop actually to work with chambers or groups to get them interested in how the subconscious mind works. So I'm working on that with Sal. And then I'm writing another book on reminding, how we remind ourselves. So a hypnosis book, pretty much on the tactics that we use to remind ourselves. So while I'm seeing clients and have some irons in the fire, that's where my focus is right now on getting these books completed. Tell me more about the reminding project. I'm curious what the themes of that are. Well, how one goes about reminding themselves, reprogramming themselves, it will have a, a series of techniques inside the book with themes on re-words, reminding, reprogramming, reinventing, so how they can look at making a change in a belief system so that they are changing their own belief systems, teaching them how to look in a different direction, teaching them how to go back and look at their resources, teaching them how to look at a problem from a different perspective. Which in so many ways I'm flashing to, of course, it's this morning and I made breakfast for my kids and it's this, uh, we have a ton of sweet potatoes. We just bought a whole box of them. And it's that beautiful moment with a three-year-old having to go, you've never had them this way. You, how do you know you don't like it? <laughs> it's like right. everything that I put in that it's sweet potatoes cooked in butter and honey and cinnamon and salt you love everything I've just mentioned I don't like that right yet that's kind of that scenario that so many people would have well I have this issue because this is the way it's always been this is the state that things have always been in yet again it's that infomercials there's got to be a better way to to to, to find that tilapia in our life, as it were. Yeah, sure. Maybe there's a different way of looking at it. So along the way, there are exercises. As an example, just looking around you in the room that you're sitting in and just looking for the things in that room that you don't like. What's out of place? What's messed up? What's out of place? And then after you spend a moment doing that, how does that make you feel? What's your posture? What's your, 
what's your, the expression on your face, you're probably not feeling your best because you've been looking for things you don't like. Now, shake that off and now look around that very same room and just look for things that you like. Look for all of the things in that room that make you happy, that make you uplifted, that, that you like about the room. And then notice how you're sitting differently. Notice how, how you're facial expression has changed. Notice what's different about just looking for what you like as opposed to what you don't like. That's something I also teach clients so that as they leave the office, they will be looking for the things that support their change, all of the examples of supporting the change, hmm. rather than looking for, wow, I went four days without a cigarette and then I thought about one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that doesn't, that, that doesn't mean that you're a failure. That means you had a thought. It's just like listening to a song on the radio and it makes you think about that old boyfriend. Do you call him? Probably not. It's just a thought. There's a moment that came out with a client a couple of years ago where, I mean, she had gone three weeks without smoking at all. And the statement was, yeah, but I was at a 7-Eleven and I saw them behind the counter and I was thinking about them. So it's not working. Right. <laughs> And ever since her was the birth of the phrase, we find a greater level of success because we never deny reality. That I'm in a funny part of Alexandria where it's like the Starbucks in New York City. If you don't like the 7-Eleven on this side of the road, there's another 7-Eleven across the street as well. Right. And of course, one is nicer than the other. So I've actually brought this up in, in the expectation leading up to the process, the the Don Martin bit about, you know, subjective levels of change. It may be out of sight, out of mind. You may find yourself just in the habit of the issue, or maybe there is that brief mind battle. Yet here's what you do and you're fine with it. But I fold in that statement about, and of course, there's actually two 7-Elevens across the street from each other. And you know, for a fact, you could swipe a credit card at either one of them and purchase an entire year's supply. Yet it's the difference instead of going, I can't, I'm not allowed to, I shouldn't, to instead, and of all things, I, I've modeled this from a documentary called Hungry for Change, the, the bit of patter around, well, I know I could, yet I just don't need to. I, I could, right. but I just don't want to. I could, but there's always something better. That that place of starting from that position of reality that, you know, for for the person, especially with weight loss, for any kind of you know, too much or too little behavior, just that simple acknowledgement that they are in control of their choices and they're the one in the driver's seat. Of Absolutely. course you could, but the difference is now you're not. Well, Jason, you fly occasionally, do you not? I mean, yes. you travel country, so you fly occasionally. When you go through the concourse in the airport, do you choose the first plane you see or do you keep going down the concourse until you find the plane that's going to get you where you want to go? Ooh, that's good. You choose the one that's going to get you where you want to go, right? Yeah. So you made choices all along the way, and they weren't you weren't paying good attention to it. You weren't saying, oh, I'm not going to choose that. I'm not going to choose that. I'm not going to choose that. You keep going until you find the one that's going to get you where you're going. So we make those kinds of choices every day, all day long. And I get to use that a lot in Chicago when I have people taking mass transit to my office for an appointment. Well, did you take the first bus that came along, or did you take the one that was going to get you here? Beautiful. I love it. I love it. So then let me ask you this, because we, we brought up the theme that, as I like to say, regression ain't just about finding the cause, that it's a tool, it's something in the in the kit of what we can make use of. So to dip back into your history, what would you say it was about being on the air, being a radio host for so many years, 
what would you say that brought that lended to your hypnosis career? Well, on the radio, as you know, you only have words with which to entertain. And so I set up a lot of stories. I, I used a lot of metaphor, whether I realized it at the time or not. I was using a lot of metaphor to make points. And I think all of that, using the voice, using inflection, being able to tell a story with only the use of voice and getting all of these people to go along, I think that was great training. Radio scene is, is called broadcasting, but the truth is really successful radio personalities know that they're talking one-on-one -on -one with their listener. There may be thousands out there, in our case, more than thousands, or we wouldn't have been so successful, but, but we were talking one-on-one -on -one with each one. So it's making a point that covers a lot of territory one person at a time. I, I hope that yeah, that that's that's fantastic. I'd share that brings in a theme not just for the communication mechanism. Of course, we'll, we're one to one with a client in a session, and we're not playing the game as if we're doing a group seminar with a thousand people in the room. Yet on the business side, I, I was looking at some videos that one of my students had shot for their website, and it was talking to a crowd. And the more you can connect with that individual, it's how we, we fall prey to this idea that. Oh, let me use, the, I, I refer to it as the royal we. Come on in and we can help you with this and we can help you with that. Right. And the more of that personality, as I'm, as I'm on your website right now, whether you want to change your habit, change your mind, you know, it's getting directly to you. It's about yeah. that connection. It's about that navigation moving forward and making it about them and customizing it to them, both on the change, change strategies as well as the communication of the sales process as well. And it's all getting back to knowing your audience. It's the same thing we started with. Because when I had uh, my business in a box, first of all, we had one name. We we divorced the franchise. I'm not going to go into why, but right. we divorced the franchise and then changed our business name to Chicago Hypnosis Center. In so doing, we spent a lot of money on search engine optimization. I closed that business in 2011 and took all of the clients that were left over in programs and brought them to my home because my mother moved in with me and she became a full-time project, honestly. There was no time at that point in my life to run the business. So we, we had an escape clause, we closed the business, and I took all of the clients into my home and saw them from here. Well, we had spent so much money on Chicago Hypnosis Center optimizing that that I didn't want to get rid of it, but I did begin to notice that as people called for that, and I told them, well, my office is in my house, and I told them I am the hypnotist now, there's not seven hypnotists as there were, that there was a real incongruence there. They were expecting a center, and they were getting one person. That set up an incongruence. I had to change that immediately. So I had to do my own website with just me rather than we, and I then took Chicago Hypnosis Center, which still draws a lot of traffic, but it connects to my website now. So Chicago Hypnosis Center is still a wonderful thing for Google because Chicago and hypnosis are what people put in, right, right? or Chicago, either way. But that old website goes right to my website. So where there may have been a little incongruence as they typed it in, as they see me, they're going to get, they're going to decide whether they like me or they don't like me before they make the call. But that's what we're talking about. One of my pet peeves is when people are single practitioners and they talk about we. Mm -hmm. We are going to do this. We are going to do that. Well, you're going to get a client who comes in, or it's possible that you'll get a client who comes in and says, well, I don't really 
think we're a match, but who else in your system can I work with? Well, it's just me. Okay, bye-bye. I'll go look for some other hypnosis. <laughs> See, I'm cracking up right now because I had a phone call. It's, uh, it's Friday morning as we're recording this, and it's like Tuesday this week that I get this call, and I... I've only had this once before, but I'm having to explain, no, that's another hypnotist who's in town. This isn't a franchise. We're not all connected. I, I know okay. who that is, and I think they're really good, so I think you'd be in good hands, whether it's me, whether it's them, but they're not my employee. Well, you're a, well, it's just this whole connection right. of the expectation that it is supposed to be the, well, the McDonald's over here was different than this one. It's like, well, that's because they all have the same name. You know, right. your, your your dentist that you used to go to and the dentist you're going to now are, are different dentists. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you've got coming up, I know you're going to be, uh, it's it's in your neck of the woods. I've been up there once before and found it to be a fantastic event. But I love the name of this. I'm on the website for, um, uh, for Mid-America Hypnosis, Secret Sauce for Successful Sessions. Oh, yes. T could you fit more <laughs> S's into that, by the way? <laughs> Probably. I say is on my website, it has seven steps for successful smoking cessation, right. so I really can't criticize. <laughs> well, I challenge, so if you want me to come up with some more S's, I, I will. But So, yes, I'm, I'm teaching this with uh, my friend, also in Chicago, Linda Williamson, and it, the Mid-America Hypnosis Conference is a great conference right in the center of the country. It's this year, October 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. I teach a, a pre-conference event for newbies for the general public, teaching people how to use hypnosis for caregiving, for nursing, for doctoring, that kind of thing. It's not going to be a certification course. It's just how to use the principles of hypnosis. And then following the conference, I will be teaching the secret sauce for success class. This is exactly what we've been talking about, Jason. It's how to take, we're going to teach a number of different techniques and then how to use those techniques and apply them to this situation, apply them to that situation, modify it, grab a piece of this and a piece of that. There are principles of age regression that I like very much, not leading as an example. Yes. But, le but using age regression only for finding the initial sensitizing event is only using half the process. Using regression of any sort, whether you do a formal age regression or you say, let's go down your timeline. I like to do it a lot of timeline too. go down your timeline to a time in your life when you were very confident. If they're looking for confidence, find that time. How are you set? How are you standing? How are you feeling? Now, let's bring everything that we know from that timeline up and bring it back with us. So in doing just what I told you there, we're going to be teaching a little timeline, teaching a little age regression and teaching some dissociation, because in dissociation, timeline can be beautiful. You can go right down the timeline. You can associate down into it. You can float up above it, look down at it, dip down into it, or just look at it from afar. There are a number of things that can be done to find what you want to find. We're going to teach some principles, dissociation, the movie theater, dissociation technique, those kinds of things, and then have them practice using that for different scenarios. Which, are you going to use dissociation for this? Are you going to associate them into it? The meta model, associate in, dissociate away, find the resource, and then copy and paste. Those are the things that we'll be teaching in the secret sauce. So it will be, take it. you had a brilliant metaphor earlier when you said it's a recipe, and it's modifying the recipe. Take the rules and then modify them to your taste or to the taste of the client.
I love yeah. it. And I'm going to put a link to that over in the show notes at Work Smart Hypnosis, though briefly here it's Karen Hand, K-A-R-E-N-H-A-N-D.com forward slash secret hyphen sauce dot HTML. But again, links over in uh, Work Smart Hypnosis. Where else can people find you online? How can they find more from you? They can find me at KarenHand.com. They can email me, Karen at KarenHand.com. They could also type in Chicago Hypnosis Center, and that will go to KarenHand.com. Did I say that enough? I love it. I love it. <laughs> See, I, you, you might have heard me say this before. It's how um, when I would do networking, I would get up, and uh, I'm in Virginia, and I do hypnosis. My business is named Virginia Hypnosis, and my website is Virginia Hypnosis. And the reason I did that was not just for the repetition of making sure they remembered it, but it was modeled after a friend of mine that would say that he was a magician and he would get the response, oh, what instrument do you play? So the first time you'd say <laughs> hypnosis, they'd go, wait, what? The second time they'd go, really? And the third time they go, oh, they're serious. Well, my business is officially called Karen Hand Hypnosis Chicago. The reason I have my name in their branding, because for 20 years, I was a radio personality in this town. There are people who still Google just me. So I'm just using the best of all worlds, I using my that. hypnosis and using Chicago. So I'm going to come up no matter what they type in. That's fantastic. Karen, it's been wonderful having you on here. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Me too, Jason. I love you lots. Awesome. I'll see you soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. It's Jason here, and once again, thank you, Karen, for joining me on this program, and thank you to you listeners at home for listening to this program, too. I'd encourage you, as always, your feedback helps this program grow. So head over to WorkSmartHypnosis.com forward slash iTunes and leave your review. Also head over to WorkSmartHypnosis.com. That's where you're going to find all the other 78 recordings, plus many more along the way, as well as information on my trainings. Check out HypnoticWorkers.com. This is the entire brain dump, the entire digital access library to my complete hypnosis training. Everything from inductions and deepeners to strategies for changes that you simply will not find anywhere else. Also, this also has client sessions from the moment of walking in the door to walking out the door. So how I develop my own secret sauce and recipes for working with my clients. And so also the how and why of how do you put the entire process together. Head over to hypnoticworkers.com today to check that out and get started for just $47. I'll see you next time.